Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 East Village. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at c3ev.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 East Village. Ladies event. Amazing. That's going to be so good. Um, I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited for the message, the, the message that God's put on my heart. Um, the last couple, week, couple weeks, <coughs> I lose my voice. Um, we have uh, been looking at, at prayer and um, the importance of cultivating a prayer life. And I hope we've been, you know, examining our prayer life and examining, uh, you know, that area of our life, talking to God about that and, and how's our prayer life actually doing. Um, I just noticed we have Pastor Janelle here from uh, C3 Calgary West with us. Overseer of the kids of C3 Calgary. Amazing, amazing. So good to have you here. And uh, does so much for, for our location here in supporting and Janae as she oversees the kids area and resourcing and ideas and passing back and forth. So it's great to have you here. Um, but we've been looking at prayer and, and, uh, and I hope it's been good. I, I've been, it's been good for me, so that's good. I, I hope it's been okay for you too. But last week I mentioned a couple of Nehemiah's prayers that we looked at were actually what I'd call warfare prayers. He was living in a time of warfare, of actual real, you know, physical warfare where he's trying to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem and he's got enemies literally standing there, um, or not standing, coming and marching against them and wanting to take them out, the very risk of, of actually getting cut up just for trying to do the mission of what God has for them. Not something that we necessarily face here in Calgary on a daily basis, although we do uh, have different battles that we fight. Around the world, there are people in those situations that we should be praying for. But, but Nehemiah was in a time of warfare. And, and uh, sometimes we can look back on, on the Old Testament times and go, well, we're not in that time anymore. But make, make no mistake, we are in a warfare. We are in a battle. Every day you're, you've got things attacking you, things trying to take you out. And our battle isn't against other people, isn't against other flesh, but is against the uh, spirit realm of an enemy who wants to bring us down. But the good news is, spoiler alert, is that we win. The kingdom of God wins, that we are victorious, and we can actually step into that victory. And so we're going to look at how to win your battle tonight. Let me just pray as we start. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for your church gathered here tonight. I thank you people who have come out who are in a battle. And they have stuff coming against them. But they chose to come out. They actually took a step of faith in being here tonight. So I pray for your word that it would, uh, it would go, go out strongly and boldly tonight. That I would decrease and that you would increase. And that there would be chains broken in the name of Jesus tonight as your word spoken. We pray. Amen. How to win your battle. You know, I love epic speeches. Whether it's in a movie or whether it's a, a real speech, I love listening to, to speeches. Maybe it's um, f- speeches from Winston Churchill. Uh, I was listening to some of them this week. Does anyone know who he is? Some of us do. Good, 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 good. Uh, maybe, it's, uh, maybe it's speeches from a, a movie, Braveheart. Classic speech, right? Classic. So good. Some of you guys like watching The Bachelorette, but I like listening to speeches. That's what I do in my spare time. And I love a good movie speech or a pre-game speech, you know, before the, before the big game. I remember playing God's sport, Australian rules football, and, uh, and our coach would give us the, the, the speech. And he had the ability to take a, a bunch of guys who were just there with our own agendas, with our own 
purposes and we were feeling defeated at times and he'd be able to motivate and bring us together and say, hey, you're in a battle, but you can win this battle. I love a good speech. And there's one in the movie Any Given Sunday. Um, has anyone seen that movie? Yeah, great movie. You should YouTube the speech. Uh, warning, language warning for the, the speech. There is a few cuss words. I was getting ready to play it tonight and I realized that's probably not something I should play in church. Um, not on a Sunday night crowd, you know, maybe a late night crowd, even later, but you'll survive if you listen to it, but just a warning. But this, this amazing speech that um, Al Pacino gives, and uh, I won't do his voice, but I, I took some clips out of it, and you should watch it later, but the guys are going into the big game, right? The movie's been building up to this moment, this battle that they're going to go and, and fight, and Al Pacino walks into the locker room as their coach. He says, I don't, I'll try and put on the voice. <laughs> No, I can't do it. I've already lost my voice. (laughs) He says, I don't know what to say, really. Three minutes to the biggest battle of our professional lives all comes down to today. Either we heal as a team or we are going to crumble. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. We are in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here and get the... So-and-so kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell one inch at a time. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the difference between winning and losing, between living and dying. That's a team, gentlemen. And either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. That's football, guys. That's all it is. Now, what are you going to do? Yay! And they run out. And, of course, you can probably predict the ending of what takes place. But, man, you should watch that. Like, I love that speech in that movie. I, he could have took an altar call at the end of it. I would have been the first one down on the getting prayer from opportunity. You should check it out. But... But doesn't life feel like that sometimes, inch by inch, that we're just clawing along, that we're in a battle, that we have things that we're facing, and we're not necessarily seeing the progress that we want, that we feel like God has promised us. We're in a war. We're in a battle. But but inch by inch, as we claw our way along, and we as we gather those inches together, we're going to be victorious. We can win. And I know some people here tonight, you don't feel like you can win your battle. But you can, because Jesus won a a bigger battle for us and empowered us to win any battle that we face on this earth. So I'm talking about warfare. I'm talking about the battles that we're in. My preaching goal every week when I preach is really pretty simple. It's just to remind us of the Word of God and then how we can apply that in our lives. I don't have anything new, but the Word of God has a lot to say about warfare and in particular spiritual warfare the battles that we're in. And so the first thing, I guess, I want to look at a couple of scriptures here that just to remind us or to let you know, and I know we have different worldviews, different backgrounds in this place, but, but you are in a battle and you do have an enemy and he doesn't like you very much and he doesn't want you to win your battle. James 4 verse 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There is a devil. We can resist him. First Peter 5 verse 8 
Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. See, sometimes we think that we're the only ones going through a battle or a war, but actually everybody's going through a battle and war of some kind. John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. There's a thief trying to steal from you. We see the story of, of Jesus just after he's baptized, before he starts his earthly ministry. He's led by the Spirit into the desert, but the Satan comes against him there. The devil comes and starts to tempt him, and he, and he has a, a war and temptations taking place. The devil's real. The enemy's real. He, he doesn't look like the cartoons portray him, but he's there. We're going to look at that later on, uh, that story. He goes by different names in the Bible, Satan, the devil, the accuser, Lucifer, Daystar, the serpent, Beelzebub, the enemy, the thief. There's, there's, I could list name after name, but the Bible talks about you having an enemy. But there's a myth that we can sometimes develop in uh, a theology that somehow, it's what we call dualism. It's where that God and Satan are kind of neck and neck in the battle and that they're equal and that, uh, you know, God wins in the end. But he only just wins. But that's a total lie. Actually, the devil's so much smaller. He's a weed in comparison to God. He doesn't have much power at all. Sometimes we get caught in that mindset. So we're talking about an enemy, but I don't want you to freak out because our God's way bigger, way more powerful. And because our God's way more bigger and more powerful, if you allow him to be in your world, you can be way more bigger and powerful than the enemy that comes against you. You can win your battles. So there's a tendency in this area, um, theologically and in most areas where in the church, we take different extremes on certain things. So on super, I'm talking about uh, spiritual warfare or um, supernatural warfare, whatever you want to call it. We, sometimes these words carry baggage, but that's really what's taking place. And the extreme is... You know, over on this side of the extreme is that everything that goes wrong in my life, everything that I do wrong, everything that comes against me, every sneeze, every strain, every time someone looks at me bad, that's a spiritual attack. It's 100% a result of demonic activity and it, and it needs to be delivered. That's an extreme position that some people hold and maybe some of you guys hold here. I, I, I don't think maybe that's the case, but you know, Sometimes life just happens, right? There's things in life that happen. And this is a great extreme to take if we want to take no responsibility for our own life and stewarding good decisions, good health, and, uh, and working on the things that we've got in our life. We'd take that position. We'd blame the enemy for every single thing if we didn't want to take responsibility. And that's not C3 East Village. That's not you. But the other extreme that we can sometimes fall into is way down the other side, and that's that... Nothing that doesn't go well for me is because of the enemy, because he isn't actually a real thing. All of what happens in life is just a result of, of a natural reason. Spiritual warfare is irrelevant because the supernatural realm actually isn't real. Any issue in my life is one that I can will my way through, work my way out, or life hack through as I work to make myself a better person. Now, this is a great position to take. If you want to ignore the Bible, if you want to uh, put band-aids on issues that come up in our life but never actually deal with the root problem, which is a supernatural problem often. 
I believe that both these extremes are a result of, frankly, a lazy theology or a misteaching. And, and the truth is that, yes, there are things that just happen in life, but there are some times that we are getting attacked by the enemy, that you're actually in a battle. And I feel like tonight there's some people here, you've been trying to overcome supernatural problems through natural means, and you're wondering why you're not getting the breakthrough. You've been trying to overcome a, a sin in your world, something you keep falling into, and you've tried to will your way out of it. You've tried to battle your way through, and you've done all the things, but you keep falling back into it, and you're trying in the natural when actually it's a supernatural problem taking place. There's a battle for your life. Or you're trying to um, do life by yourself. You're trying to take on and launch into a great life and, and um, step out on, on things that you're doing, but but nothing seems to be getting the breakthrough. And you think that you're listening to God. You, you think that you've been hearing from God. And every time you step out, you, you have some resistance against you. Well, that's warfare. You're in a spiritual warfare. You're in a battle, but you can win it. So this is what we're going to look at tonight, of how we can win our battles. You know, uh, C3 East Village is coming up on its two, second year birthday, like two-year birthday, uh, October 15th. 2017 is when we launched weekly services. So on the week that we're not having a service, Thanksgiving is actually our birthday party week as well of, of two years. And, uh, and it's, it was amazing. And I know some of you guys were here for the first service, and that's so cool. And, uh, but for Brittany and I, when we decided to, to launch um, you know, the team and, and with the team, but to be pastoring the team to, to start C3 East Village, to step out on what we felt that God was calling us to do, I think that we were ignorant to the amount of spiritual warfare we were going to get. We weren't aware of it. We hadn't experienced it. And, um, you know, especially in those early days, um, every Sunday, I, what I see now, we were spiritually attacked. There was a warfare taking place. We'd, we'd have fights and arguments in our, in our marriage that were just out of the blue, out of nowhere. And I'm not just talking about little disagreements. I'm talking about quit the marriage, quit the ministry, stuff. Like it was like warfare taking place. It took us longer than um, it should have for us to realize that there was a battle taking place for our destinies, for our purpose, because the devil wasn't happy we were stepping out where in obedience to what we thought God was calling us to do, and he was re putting up a resistance, putting up a fight against us. And once we were aware that we were in a spiritual warfare, we were able to resist. Now, I'd love to say that that doesn't happen anymore, but that's not the case. But we're definitely winning our battle more now than we were back then. It's amazing when you step out to do what you feel God's calling you to do, whatever that is, whether it's planting a church or um, starting a connect group, uh, knocking on the door of, of your neighbor and, and wanting to hang out or whatever you're feeling God's calling you to do. When you step out in that, don't be surprised if there's a bit of resistance. Don't be surprised if there's a bit of an attack take place, right? I feel like some people are going, yeah, that's, that's me in this moment right now. This is a good thing that we get resistance because it shows that we're on track, that we might be stepping into what God has for us to do, and the enemy's not happy about that. He wants us to be timid and, and boxed in and held back and not stepping into the purpose that God has for us. But that's not us. That's not you because you can be victorious. So spiritual warfare is, is actually more than our prayer life, but it's definitely connected into that, and that's why I've put this into our theme of building a prayer life. 
You know, at the start of the service, um, we start with praise and worship. That's a form of spiritual warfare. I don't know if you, if you knew that. I was talking to a friend this week who was just getting these um, extreme uh, waves of depression and anxiety. And the only way to stop it in those moments was to actually put on praise and worship music and to worship God and they'll go away straight away. Has anyone experienced anything like that? Yeah, and so at the start of the service, we're not just singing songs. We're actually engaging in warfare together. So that's why you'll see people who, who get excited, who get passionate, who, who actually step in and do it. And maybe you're wondering, what's going on here? It's because we're in a battle. And in the Old Testament, often at times, um, the enemy would be coming against God's people. And it looked like uh, that, you know, they were outnumbered and they weren't going to win their battle. And the trumpets would blow or the worshippers would go out. Um, and and the, the sound would actually go beyond the natural into the supernatural and it would confuse the enemy and they'd end up winning their battle. Praise and worship is warfare. And that's why we're passionate about here as a church. So anyway, that's a freebie for you there, a bonus. I wasn't good. We might look at that next week. So the first point tonight before we really jump into the main scripture where we're going to camp out for the rest of the time is that for most of us, I believe we're actually meant to focus on knowing God more than knowing about the devil, demons, or principalities. So our focus is meant to be on knowing the Father, knowing God's love. Um, so tonight we're, we're going to talk about the enemy a little bit, but, but we don't go down a weird track on that. We don't chase after demons behind every rock or devils. I, I don't believe that's a healthy thing to do. I believe that we're meant to more, know God more and more. One of the greatest warfare things is to know the Father more, to know His love. To, to get close, to not actually think about the devil too much. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about those things. Okay, just a quick checklist overview of that. Uh, the devil doesn't have any of those qualities. The enemy doesn't have those qualities. We're meant to think of godly good things. Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson from Bethel says that Jesus did not live in reaction to the devil, but in response to the Father. We need to learn to do the same. And we can only respond to the Father and his love by cultivating that communication line of prayer that we've been discussing over the last few weeks. Spend time with him, bring your prayers to him, and allow space to receive from him. So my heart today is we would focus on knowing the Father more than looking to the enemy. But when the enemy does come against us, I want us to be prepared and ready to deal with him and get it done, to get the breakthrough that God has for you. Don't let it be stolen from you. Again, Bill Johnson says, I don't go looking for the devil, but when I come across him, I pull the trigger. And that's what we're able to do as well. So spiritual warfare, Ephesians 6 verse 11, 18. This is the, a great passage on, um, on warfare here. And this is from Paul. He's writing to the church there. And uh, he, he's warning them and, and equipping them and sharing with them. He says in verse 11, I'll read the whole passage and then we're going to break it down a little bit more. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. See, there's a devil and he has schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
and with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all, not just some, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all of the Lord's peoples. What a powerful passage. What a powerful image that Paul's painting there. You know, the image that would have um, been most evident to the original readers was that of a Roman soldier at the time. And you could probably picture a Roman soldier that you've seen in the movies with the helmets and the, um, you know, the little fluffy thing on the helmet and the chest plate with uh, pretend abs marked out on it and, you know, thinking Sparta. Well, that's not really Roman, but, you know, gladiator, that kind of thing. And this is the image um, that, that Paul would have been speaking to. But I actually believe the armor of God is more than just an image. It's something that we can put on in the spirit realm, that we can actually put on in the supernatural, that we can wake up and pick up our armor and pick up our shield and actually put them on. It's more than just an image. It's spiritual warfare. It's how we can uh, guarantee that we are not going to be defeated by the enemy. It's how we win our battles. So it says there about the enemy's flaming arrows, that, he, that he's shooting off flaming arrows. I didn't know if you, you knew that, but as you go about your day, as you go about your life, there's actually arrows being shot at you, this firing off. And, you know, some of them are landing, some of them aren't, depending on where we're at with our armor. The picture I get is, um, you know, the, where all the archers in a movie will light up and shoot. And they're not really shooting at one target in particular. They're shooting into a group of people. And some of the arrows are landing in the banks of the river. or Some of them are um, landing off to the side. But the arrows are actually hitting their targets sometimes. I believe this is what the devil tries to do to us every single day. That he's just volleying, volleying, volleying? What, the word, whatever, <laughs> of these arrows at us. And when our guard's down, when our armor's not on, our shield's down, that's when they're going to land. But we've been given the ability for them not to land. But that's a spiritual warfare. That's the battle that you're in. He's shooting arrows at you. There's also strongholds that he would try and camp out in our world. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Um, there's a lot to strongholds. The Bible speaks about strongholds a lot. Uh, I'm just going to summarize very quick, quickly. This is an area... Um, that has a, a hold in your life, a, a certain hold. It's, it's maybe stronger than an arrow just landing. It's actually taken a camp in your world. It's like a fortress has been built in a certain area. And that uh, it might be a little bit harder to fight off and defeat, but we've been given the ability to demolish strongholds that have camped out in our lives. Maybe you've had issues and problems in your world. You've been fighting a battle for years and years and years, and it seems like it's getting harder and harder. That would be a stronghold. But the Word of God tells us that we're able to demolish the stronghold. So these can get there in a number of ways, whether it's sin, um, apathy, generational inheritance that's not from God, um, giving permission, having our guard down in certain areas, then the enemy will find a way in and put a stronghold. But we are, we are given how we are meant to prep for battle and demolish this. So um, that's kind of arrows and strongholds is what's coming at you tonight, tomorrow, as you go about your week. And we're going to break down some ways that we can fight against this and win our battle. So the first thing that Paul says is the belt of truth. Can you say belt of truth? The truth is one of the greatest weapons we have against the enemy. 
the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the truth that God loves you and that he's for you, he's not against you, the truth that he has a plan and purpose, the truth that he wants more for you than being oppressed and downtrodden or ineffective. Jesus came to set the captives free, to set them free. The truth of the word of God in your life. John 7, 17, verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by what? By your truth. He's praying for us. He's praying for his people. Your word is truth. We can put a belt of truth on that will protect us against the enemy. Frankly, I'm sick to death of believing the lies of the enemy and seeing people here and and Christians in our day believing the lies of the enemy over the truths of God. We're meant to live different. I'm meant to live different, and I'm sick to tired. I'm not going to take it anymore, believing the lies of the enemy over the truth of God, but we need to put the belt of truth on. You know, there's someone here tonight, and I feel that you've been believing the lie that you're useless, that you're no good, that uh, what would you be good for, that you don't have a purpose. That's a lie. The truth of God is, is that he's created you. He's wired you with gifts and talents. He's given you a purpose. He's prepared you from be- beforehand for good works, for you to walk into them. Reject the lie and embrace the truth of God over your world. I feel there's some people here and uh, you've been struggling for a, a really long time believing the lie that, that, you, that life's not worth living. That maybe you should just throw in the towel. That uh, no one would notice anyway. That's a lie. That's a lie. The truth is that God's not finished with you yet. The truth is that God has come to give you life and life abundantly. And I don't, I don't care how old you are, how long you've been in this battle. If you're still breathing, he has a purpose and plan for you. Reject that lie and speak the truth over your life in the name of Jesus. So how can we use this belt of truth? It's very simple in a, in a way. And then the practice of it is a battle sometimes. But I'm trying to break down these for a way that we can walk out and we can apply this in spiritual warfare. So how can we use the belt of truth? So if you're feeling attacked or oppressed in an area, you're feeling like ripped off and that you're not living in, you know, the promises of God in that area. um, I I firstly should ask God, am I being attacked in this area? Is this a, a spiritual attack or is this something that I just, you know, is there another thing going on. But if we're feeling spiritually attacked, the questions we need to ask ourselves is, what's the lie that I'm believing here? And what's the truth of God about this situation? It's very simple. I know some of you guys wanted a bit more dramatic with spiritual warfare. No, this will change your life if you put this into battle. So that what we do is we repent of the lie and we declare the truth and we seal the deal by the blood of Jesus. Okay, so repent of the lie This is to put the belt of truth on. Declare the truth, and we seal the deal by the blood of Jesus. So an example of this would be in my prayer life. I'm feeling attacked. I'm feeling downtrodden, and I'm going to put on my belt of truth. I'd say, Lord, I repent for believing the lie that I'm no good, that I'm useless. Forgive me for believing the lie of the enemy over what you say about me. I accept the truth that you have a plan, you have a purpose for me, that you have gifts, that you've created me this way. And I can step into that. Any residual effect or any stronghold, I break that in the name of Jesus and I declare your truth over my life. Okay, that that would be an example of how we could engage in warfare. So we what do we do? We repent of the lie, then we declare the truth and seal the deal. 
That's warfare. The belt of truth for a soldier uh, to put a belt on, obviously to put a belt on, it's good. He's, other stuff wouldn't fall everywhere and fall out and stuff. But it was, the, it was the core, it was the thing that held his entire armor together. And not only that, but he could actually put his sword in and hoist his weapon. It would hold his defense and it would also hold his offense together. And so the belt of truth is the truth of God in our life over the enemy's lies. Next, Paul speaks of a, a breastplate of a breast um, plate of righteousness or a chest plate of righteousness. So we're picturing the, the chest guard that would be on a soldier. Um, you know, protects the vital organs. Very important uh, in a warfare time. Very important for us to be wearing these things. You know, uh, the vital organs are important. You know, other areas are important as well, our arms and legs. But the vital organs, we need to protect them. It reminds me of the scene, if anyone's seen Monty Python, um, you know, merely a flesh wound when he, you know, he's got his chest cut. Anyway, don't worry about it. It's all good. But we've got to protect our vital organs. You know, the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ is actually imputed to us like a chest guard, like a plate, when we accept him as our savior. So the Bible says that no one is righteous by our own means, but by accepting Jesus and what he did, a great exchange is made on the cross, that our unrighteousness is actually exchanged for his righteousness. So now we're seen by God as righteous. Now that word righteous, it's very churchy, isn't it? Um, but it really it means right standing and right living. We're, we're right. We're okay. We're, we're cleared. Legally, we're cleared before God. And so if we accept Jesus uh, and, and trust in him in faith, our filthy rags of, of unrighteousness um, we're, are actually given to Jesus and we're seen as righteous by God. Isn't that amazing? And then we get to live out a life from a place of righteousness. We get to actually make good choices to live right. We're still called to obey the word of God. We're still called to, it's not a get out of jail card free, but we're actually still got to wear the chest guard, the, the chest plate of righteousness. And, and one of the best spiritual warfare techniques is by living right, by making the right choices, by ob obeying God over the sin that would try to bring us down, the enemy's temptations. And as we walk into the righteousness that Jesus has imputed to us, we actually are committing warfare against the enemy. We're taking the offense back to him because he can, if we're making right choices and living right before God, then we're not allowing strongholds, we're not allowing areas to creep into our life. So Isaiah 54 verse 17, it says, No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? That's your heritage. No weapon forged against you will prevail. It says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. So how do we become a, um, how do we get that inheritance? And how do we become a son and daughter of God? By faith, by trusting in him and him alone, that he is who he says he is, and he did what he said he did. He's made a way. And the more we walk into that righteousness, the stronger our armor gets against the enemy. And where we fall, we need to pick, it, pick up the righteousness of Jesus and, and repent and ask for forgiveness. That word repent doesn't just mean, um, forgive me, God. It actually means to turn away, to do a 180-degree turn and to leave that old lifestyle behind, leave that sin behind, leave those choices behind and step into the righteousness that God has for us. We do this guided by the Holy Spirit, and it's one of the greatest ways to win our spiritual battles. The next thing he talks about are the, the boots of the gospel of peace. It says in verse 15, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
You know, my dad would always say to me, um, growing up, the wrong, the wrong boots will ruin your day, mate, is what he'd say. <laughs> the wrong boots will ruin your day. Didn't matter what I was doing, if I was going to play football, if I was going to work, if I was going on a hike, going to school, the wrong boots will ruin your day, mate. Make sure you got the right boots. And I was like, okay, dad, whatever, cool. <laughs> Stuff my dad says, all good. Um, but, but I get what he was saying, you know. You would have got what he's saying, too, if you've ever worn the wrong boots to the wrong occasion, right? Like, if you've ever gone on a big epic hike, but you wore your stilettos on that, I'm sure that would be, you know, the wrong boots would ruin your day. Or if you uh, ever get, like, a pebble in your boot, or even, uh, like, you're out fishing or whatever it is, and water gets in there, and your whole day is ruined because the boots are wrong. If we have the wrong boots, our day is ruined, too. We're, we're called to have, wear the boots of the gospel of of peace. You know, just imagine a, a shoeless soldier going into a battle. He's got his chest guard on, he's got his belt on, he's got everything, but he's running around barefoot. Not a good situation to be in when you've got swords and rough terrain and all these kind of things laying around. We have to put on the boots of the gospel of peace. Now, why would our boots be the, the gospel? Now, that word gospel, we know, means the good news that Jesus brought uh, of God coming to earth as a man to living the life that we couldn't live, dying the death that we should have died, rising again victorious so that we can live a victorious and free life connected to God. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we can wear on our feet. It needs to be our, our footing. It needs to be our grounding. We need to always be grounded in Jesus Christ, in the gospel, not just in the latest, greatest new book or doctrine or thing that comes along that we can get great insight from, but we have to be grounded in Jesus Christ and the good news. Yeah, that's, that's what we've got to wear on our feet. And the good news is the gospel of peace. You know, Jesus was the Prince of Peace, um, and he came to bring peace. And so we're fighting a battle, we're fighting a war, we're in storms and situations, but we can do it from a place of peace because we know who Jesus Christ is. Romans 10 verse 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. That's you. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you're doing, you living the life where you're obeying God is actually your preaching. You're the greatest message that can ever be preached. Much better than the message getting preached up here is the life that you live. You're bringing the gospel wherever you go, whether it's your classroom, your workplace, you are actually preaching peace to people if you're walking in, in obedience to God. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample out serpents and scorpions. Trample them out and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I wouldn't want to trample on scorpions and serpents with no shoes on, right? With no boots. We have to have our, our boots grounded, walking out the, the life from a place of peace that we know who our Savior is. We know who our God is and he's an awesome God who's for us. That's the gospel of peace. And the shield of faith, verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Not just some of them, not just the occasional arrow, but all of the flaming arrows we can extinguish with our shield of faith. Now, do you notice anything different? So, so far we've, we've put on the, the belt of truth, we've put on the the guard, the chest plate there, the boots. What's different about a shield? 
Jeopardy music. That was bad. Jeopardy music. Yeah, you hold it. You you pick it up. It's something that you actually use. The other things we put on and they're fitted right. We're wearing them. But the shield is actually something that we pick up, that we actually rise up and have to continually lift up as we're knocking back those flaming arrows. So the belt of truth, the chest plate, these are things that we wear, that we fit. But the shield, we strap it on and we rise it up. A shield's effectiveness relies on keeping it up and raising it up. We've got to raise our faith when we're engaged in spiritual warfare. When you're in a battle, when you're feeling oppressed, are you raising your shield of faith or are you feeding doubt in your life? Are you raising up faith or are you feeding doubt? Are you going down the track of, yeah, maybe I can't win this battle. Maybe, maybe God has left me. Maybe, uh, maybe I heard him wrong when I took that step of faith. Maybe I, maybe I misunderstood what he was saying to me. Or are you going now faith that says, no, my God will overcome. I will get this. I heard from God and he is with me. He is by my side always. We've got to raise up faith. We've got to strap on our shield of faith and that's how we will defeat the arrows of the flaming one. A shield deflects, you know, Satan is always hurling these fiery darts of fear and doubt and worry in our direction. But the only time they can hit us is when we have our shield of faith down. When we stop believing that God is in control. When we stop believing that he will work all things out together for good. When we stop believing that he is with us and that he is for us. Faith is our shield. If you're feeling unprotected in the battle that you're facing... Are you stirring up your faith? Are you lifting up your shield? Or are you dropping the shield down? We're to stir up our faith. You know, I, I think I'm going to, uh, we're going to talk about the rest of the armor of God next week. And I'm going to invite the band up now because this is super important, this shield of faith. Because we can actually stir up faith. And in this place tonight, I want us to finish by stirring up faith together by praise and worship, by lifting to Him. But Philippians 4 verse 13 says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, For we live by faith, not by sight. Not what we can see in the natural, but what we can see in the supernatural, the promises of God. We're not to live just by what we see around us, the arrows that are landing, the, the ground that's been taken, but we live by faith. We can stir that up. James 1 verse 3, Because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Mark 9, 23, Jesus says, All things are possible for the one who believes. And 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. That's you. That's what you're going to be able to say at the end of your days, at the end of your life, that I have fought the good fight, I kept fighting, I didn't give up, I finished the race, and that I kept the faith. Some of us are feeling attacked by the enemy because we've given up stirring the faith as our shield. And you know, the other cool thing about the shields here that would have been, Paul would have been speaking to, the Roman shield, is that um, the Romans were great at, at military tactics. That's most of their power was in their military and they developed battlefield techniques of, of many kinds. And one of their strategies was um, what was called the testudo, which translates to tortoise. And you may have seen it in some of the movies. It's where if they were in defensive mode or if they were uh, getting, 
you know, needing to regroup or needing to come back together, they would come together and they would link their shields together and they would create like a tortoise shell with their shields that was basically in like no one could get through it. That's the shields that they would have used. And then as they linked together and regrouped and managed to, um, you know, figure it out, they would actually start to take ground from a defensive position. They would start to take ground because they'd locked their shields together. They stood together. They didn't separate when the battle wasn't going well. They actually came together. Some of us have been getting beat in our battle. We feel like we've been losing ground and we've been tempted to, to leave. But it's actually, that's the time that we need to come together and to use each other's faith to fight the war that we're in. You're not meant to fight this battle that you're facing alone. And we can come together with our shields of faith. And I believe that we can extinguish every arrow that the enemy will fire at you if we lock our shield in together, if we stand strong together. And that's what we believe as a church, that it's not just about coming here and, and hearing a great message and then going out and fighting your battle by yourself. We're actually meant to fight the battle together as God's people. Learning takes place in the rows here, but growth takes place in circles, in sitting around the table together, in crying together, in laughing together, in, in our connect groups or in our prayer meetings, in our dinner parties, in having people that you know you can go to and say, hey, I don't feel like I have much faith at the moment. Would you shield me with yours? Can we regroup together? Do you have that kind of person in your life? That's what the shield of faith is to do. We can extinguish the arrows of the enemy by rising up our, our shield of faith but we also need to come together in that moment. Our shield of faith is not just to protect ourselves, but to shield each other. Some of us here tonight have been in a battle, a, real, a long battle. I feel the weight of, of the battle as I was praying in today. I, I felt a, a, a feeling of defeat come upon me. And that's how you're feeling. And your shield's getting heavy. And the temptation's been to drop the shield and to isolate from community and to walk away. Not tonight, my friend. You can get through this. You will overcome that battle inch by inch, day by day. You can beat this battle because God has equipped us. God has empowered us and God has won the victory for us. We are able to step into the victory He has for you. You will not be defeated, says the Lord. I believe God's saying to you tonight to pick your shield back up. Those who would walk away, those who would put it down, in this moment, you can pick it back up. You can raise that faith up and say, I will not be defeated by the lies of the enemy. I will not be defeated by his arrows, but I am going to fight back and I'm going to win because I am on the winning team. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. So tonight I want to finish with praise and worship. And we're going to pray at the end of the service in response. Um, and if you uh, find yourself that person, you want someone to stand with you, our prayer team or myself or any of the leaders would love to pray with you and, and I'd encourage you to come and stand. You're not meant to just carry the shield by yourself. But in order to break free from a prison cell, the first thing we need to admit is that, that we are in one. Some of us have been in a, a captive or have a stronghold or being oppressed for so long and we're in, it's like we're in a jail cell and rather than trying to get out, we've actually put a sofa in, we've hung up some pictures around the wall and we've got quite comfortable where we're at. 
All the while, Jesus actually has opened the door up for freedom, and we can't even see that because we've got so used to the surroundings that we're in. Well, I'm going to be depressed forever. Well, I'm going to be defeated forever. Well, I'm never going to get that promotion. Well, I'm never going to get that opportunity. And we've camped out in a position of of being a captive and in prison for too long when Jesus is opening the door up. So the first thing we need to do is recognize that we're in a prison. The next thing we need to believe is that God has something better for you because He does, because He's awesome. He has life for you and abundance for you. He's opened up the prison cell for a powerful life, a life of freedom, freedom from addictions, freedom from sin, freedom from um, things that would try to hold you back, that Christ has set you free set you free. And He who the Son sets free is free indeed. And then when we get out of that prison, we need to continue to resist. Because the enemy wants to try and bring us back. No, who do you think you are? This is your spot. You're meant to be captive here. You're meant to stay in this box. That's where we resist the devil and he will flee in the name of Jesus. Would you stand with me in this place as we respond to the Word of God tonight? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at c3ev.ca. See you next week.